Good morning, good evening, good night. It's the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour, coming to you from Old East Dallas. I'm your host, Jason Rutledge. So if you caught our Instagram live stream from April 18th, you'll know that this previous week, as we've experienced it in real time anyway, marks the anniversary of our very first episode debut, episode 101, Summer of Werewolves, where we talked about the howling and wolfen and an American werewolf in London. Uh, We just want to thank everyone who's been listening to the show since then, and of course everyone who's jumped on the space wagon since then. Uh, We appreciate every last one of you. Especially that person in Spain who's downloaded every episode for the last year. We want to hear from you. How are you doing? Are you good on wine? Are you wondering about Tony? Wondering where he could be? Who he is with? What he's thinking? Whether he's thinking of you and whether he'll ever return someday? Let us know. Well, with that out of the way, it's time to start this episode, and this one is all about a milestone in the world of big, explosive, and sweaty action movies. It is, of course, Commando. Nathan and Joe are here to discuss. But first, in case you aren't familiar with the movie, here's Radon Chong to get you up to speed. Who the hell are you, huh? Oh! You steal my car, you rip the seat out, you kidnap me, you ask me to help you find your daughter, which I very kindly do, and then you get me involved in a shootout where people are dying and there's blood Century Fox. Okay, yeah, that's right, that's right, because it stars Daniel Day-Lewis. SLM Production Group, distributed by 20th Century, yes. SLM was a big deal back in the 80s. Did anybody go without underwear in this movie, do you think? More than likely. We're already starting with that, really? Are we starting already? I feel it's important to get that one out of the way as quickly as possible, though, Nathan. Okay, all right. Yeah, so that'll be it for that one, though. Or why wasn't the why wasn't the saying going commando being only in your underwear since that's what he did at the end with the speedo and the boat? Isn't going commando going commando is without right 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 right. So, so he had pants on without the underwear, being continuously yeah. sweaty and yeah, I don't know. But why isn't the saying going commando just being in your underwear since that's what the commando made? Yeah, let's start the show. I don't know. I, I think one. the the couple in the uh, Sunspot Hotel went commando. You can look at it that way. Yeah, hmm. they did. Still not a good intro, but go ahead, Jason. <laughs> so anyway, we're looking once again at 1985 because the show is obsessed with movies that were released during the year 1985. The United States was experiencing a very powerful new wave of patriotism. Reagan had been reelected to his second term allowing him to continue on his quest to exterminate commies everywhere, and in his own words, make America great again. This battle extended mostly in secret to Central America, in spite of the fact that about 70% or so of Americans were totally against getting involved in the region in any way. It would, by the next year, 1986, erupt into the enormous scandal that would come to define Reagan's presidency, the Iran-Contra affair. Now, I mention this only because no art is created in a vacuum. This sort of um, let's solve all our problems with rockets and grenades idea and the notion of correcting our past mistakes made its way into our action movies, probably starting with Missing in Action, 1984, uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2, Electric Boogaloo, 
And then, of course, on October 4th, 1985, my friends, there was something in the air that night. The stars so bright, Commando, was unleashed on the nation. Welcome back, everyone, to the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour, coming to you from Old East Dallas. And our movie is indeed Commando this time. And it's a movie that I look at completely differently now than when I saw it for the first three or four times. I mean, granted, I was like a teenager at the time. It's a fun movie. It's an, I think of it more as a comedy than an action movie, really. I don't because uh, I don't remember seeing it. I remember clips from whenever I was a kid. Like, I remember uh, just small snippets of the beginning, the very beginning and the very, very end. And that's it. I remember nothing in the middle. So this was almost a brand new movie to me. Really? Which is very strange since, uh, you know, I, I like Schwarzenegger pictures a lot. Yeah, that, that kind of surprises me. Uh, I mean, I was familiar with it from probably didn't see it in theaters. I think it was probably HBO like everything else. We, yeah. But I, I don't know how many times I've seen it. And I just recently for this show revisited it and thought, oh, my God, this is an unintentionally funny movie for about an hour and a half. Oh, it's in, it's intentional, though. It's very tongue in cheek, the whole tone of it. Yeah. And Stephen D'Souza did a pass on the script and he didn't want to take it seriously at all. And even Mark L. Lester said that, too, is like that that's. The power of this is we don't take it too serious. And so it's said, kind of the, and I told Jason this before, it's for me, it's like the ultimate Schwarzenegger vehicle as far as all the elements are in place here. Um, it may have been the beginning of the I'll be back continuation trend because mm. right before this was Red Sonia and Conan the Destroyer. I'm pretty sure he didn't say it in either of those films, but Not it became a staple henceforth. Yeah. So it, it it knows what it is. It was a restructured vehicle for Schwarzenegger, and I think they just had a lot of fun with it. One thing it for sure started was this rivalry between Schwarzenegger and Stallone. First Blood Part Two had come out, I think that June, yeah. or was it May? May have been earlier than that. Made a boatload of money. Commando was an October release, which is kind of weird for this type of movie. But Commando made a bunch of money too, just not as much as Stallone did with Rambo. And Rambo Part Two is a very, very different movie from the first one. Mm -hmm. I think you'll have to agree on that. The tone is very, very different. Well, the first one, it wasn't, well, even though we're not talking about that movie, uh, but the first one wasn't, it wasn't necessarily intentionally setting up a franchise, was it? No, not at all. Yeah. No, no. It was based yeah. on one book by David Morrell, which in fact, in the end of the book, he dies. Right. And they didn't think of, we're going to make a sequel at the time. They just didn't want to end it like that. Mm -hmm. So... They brought in James Cameron and he wrote a pass on it. And really, I think more than anything, and no one talks about it, how much First Blood Part Two is influenced by Missing in Action the year mm -hmm. before. I mean, right down to the machine gun out of the water sequences. I mean, it's the same plot pretty much. So I, I think that they were like, well, let's strike on this trend. Like they knew it was going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Reagan had campaigned in 19, for his 1980 presidential bid on the notion that we could have won the Vietnam War had we not lost our nerve. Missing in Action, especially, was one of those movies where we were trying to go back and fix that somehow. And that usually involved somebody working for a secret paramilitary group that only reports to the president, which nowadays we don't look at as maybe not such a good idea. Uh, Remo Williams was one of those also, by the way. 1985. But you, you, you saw this happen in movie after movie after movie, though. I don't know. I don't remember First Blood Part Two having that element to it exactly like that. Commando certainly does. John Matrix is part of a secret unit <laughs> that went in and 
Don't you're not going to giggle every time I say unit, are you? I wasn't giggling a unit. You are. No, you? I wasn't. I was just <laughs> no, 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 no. I, like for some reason in my mind, I was just thinking about Cox. So, but go on. You mean Dewey Cox, of course, in Walk. Yeah, yeah, Dewey Cox's <laughs> penis. Yeah, and his primates. Gotcha. Yeah, arguing on the bus. His monkey's <laughs> unit. I was laughing about his monkey's unit. Yep. Yes. And full circle. Go ahead. Right. So John <laughs> Matrix's guys. <clears throat> Go into a completely made-up country somewhere, probably Central America. Val, it was Valverde, I think is what it was called. Yes. East Valverde. Depo- depose the elected president in favor of a different one. Well, right. that's the setup of the plot. Right. right. I mean... Well, it isn't, it isn't. I mean, the plot is... Well, very, as far as what don't... their purpose is. Sure. The bad guy's plot. The bad guy's plot, which also involves... Uh, Vernon Wells as Bennett. Circuitry Man. Oh Who's man, in that's in my man? that's in my pile of uh, to be watched VHS tapes. I know he was in Weird Science and one, Inner Space, but I yeah, I've got the second one as well. Man. The Road Warrior, and uh, he's in one? both movies called Fortress. By the way, I was just about to say oh. I, Fortress is on my watch list too. <laughs> Rachel Ward and the Christopher Lambert film. So why did he uh, end up trying to look like medieval Freddie Mercury on that snacks? I don't know. With the, the, story, the story is he came in, he was not the original choice. The first actor was fired. I don't know who it was. And Couldn't be for he had to wear, whatever the case was, Mark L. Lester fired the guy like the next day. They brought in Wells... Maybe because of the road warrior, I'm not sure. But also, he had to wear the wardrobe that was already fitted for the previous actor, who, in Wells' wording, he was a bit smaller in stature. Mm-hmm. That's why all this stuff kind of looks more weird on him, I guess. Like, I mean, it's already weird anyway. The fact that he wears that for like 12 hours straight is also weird, but whatever. Well, <laughs> see, what's mail. super weird to me is that like, and sorry to, if I cut you there, Jason, uh, no. but like, okay, he's pissed off because he got kicked off the team, right? Right. So we're going to side by side them. We're going to see Wells and Schwarzenegger. Yeah. The undefined physique and chain mail of Wells <laughs> versus Schwarzenegger. Maybe he just wasn't up to stuff for the job. That is one thing that I remember clearly from seeing this movie the first time when I was 13 was this guy doesn't have any shot of winning this fight at all. Right. There's no way. And they never mention why exactly he got kicked off the team. I was guessing dress code violation, <laughs> but I, I really don't know. Cause he wears yeah, but he's this... like a Gorton's fisherman in the beginning. So he, <laughs> he, he's not, he's okay at that point. And then he goes really like drastically... Well, in the director's cut, because I went ahead and rented that and watched that last night, Jason. Which is um, the better cut. But. Yeah, and it explains why they actually they let him go because they had a gig at like some school and he couldn't go within 50 feet of a school with that mustache. Because he so. molested collies. <laughs> mm. Boy collies. I can see why they would have cut that from the, the Studio 54 wasn't a problem. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not at all. You know what, I, this was, I wanted to talk about this at the very beginning. This was my first note. I thought it would be really kind of, kind of fun to play, uh, play the podcast, the character as somebody that's never heard of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this was their first experience. That would be pretty amazing, I think. 
Don't shake your head. I'd like your nod, Nathan. I like where your head's at. I don't like where your head's at, Jason. Yeah. You want one of my migraine pills? Too bad. We're over the internet. Dummy. <laughs> well, it goes into play with what I was saying. This is like an ultimate vehicle for Schwarzenegger. So if you had an introductory film, this, this would, would be, be it. it. Oh, well, Jason agrees now. Hmm, hmm. This, yeah, <laughs> this would be a good jumping off point for Schwarzenegger. He is extremely sweaty through the entire film to the point where I thought maybe he had a glandular problem. But it, what kills me he is... He does, he lifts telephone booths. I mean, what, I, what I find absolutely hysterical is the scene in the mall. Is he's, he's fallen off of an airplane, jumped off of an airplane into a swamp, then walked yeah. over to this mall to track down Sully. And he's so desperately trying to blend in with everybody else, being like gigantic, sweaty, and smelling like a swamp the entire time. Yeah, they don't. And there's that bit where that. he's trying to like hide behind a pole, <laughs> and Radon Chong is pointing him out to the mall cops, and, like, <laughs> and they're and they're just like, "Oh yeah, there he is." <laughs> just cracks me up every single time. He's one big motherfucker. Yeah, he's just the worst. Ass. It's the worst shot, line reading ever. Barely behind the post, like, they can't see me, can they? No, no. <laughs> Paul Blart found you. He's right there. Sorry, Arnie, your nipples. Oh, are yeah. <laughs> Actually, in that scene, Dick Warlock is one of the mall cops. So. Is he really? Yeah. He has, like, one line. I think he falls to the ground, he's on the walkie, and he talks to the other guys briefly, and I was like, oh, there he is. Okay, and then uh, <laughs> my other thing is that I thought was really weird is since... I hadn't necessarily seen this movie. It was really confusing to me that uh, Arnold and Bill Duke weren't friends because I'd seen Predator so many times. Mm. Yes. And then also more confusing is Bill Duke's alive. After seeing the Predator documentary, he didn't make it. So how is he? What he's saying is one? he's like, he thinks that his character is the same character. Is he? Films. Is that what you're telling me, Nathan? No. Well, what are they in Predator? He's not a Green Beret in Predator. No, he's like a purple no. star. He's like a... Uh, 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 They're all mercenaries, no, you, right? Yeah. You're he's thinking a, of Lucky Charms. There, yeah, right? he's a clover. Yeah, a green clover. <laughs> that's the that's the other breakfast that Schwarzenegger eats. <laughs> he's, a, he's a honey smack. He's a honey smack. Was, that was the name of his unit was the Honey Smacks, I think. <laughs> we never got into trouble. <laughs> so can we talk about Dan Hedaya's voice? I remember you, scumbag. Especially the people you've tortured and killed. Colonel Matrix, you do not understand a country like Valverde. It is a country that needs a president who has an understanding of discipline. Why tell me? Because you're going to return to Valverde and you are going to kill the president that you helped to overthrow me. Why don't you have Bennett do it? Sounds like something he will get off on. Because President Velasquez trusts you, Colonel. After all, he made you the hero of the revolution. Well, Captain Benny left, shall we say, uh, under a cloud. Yeah, because he enjoyed killing a little too much. Yes. yes, it's an amazing accent he's putting on in this one. Well, no, no, he's not, not even that. very much. I, I disagree with that. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> it was no F. Murray Abraham and Scarface, but... 
<laughs> it wasn't. But I'm just talking about his voice in general. I've always had some, like, it's like a, almost like an ASMR thing where he mm-hmm. has a certain, there's something going on there that I'm just like, man, I want to listen to him read a book. Nothing? Yeah. No, nothing there? Like, no, look, look into see if he does audiobooks. No, I don't care if he does audiobooks, goddammit. <laughs> I'm just saying, I enjoy the man's voice. Him and Peter Kyle. He's Coyote, got a, he's yeah, got a very distinct voice. It's a good voice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He's perfect as Arius, the sort of secondary <laughs> villain. The, the most unnecessary villain ever. <laughs> well, I guess we'll, we'll just blow him out of a window by the end. <laughs> they could have done another movie where the whole setup is just Bennett going after matrix and made that the whole movie yeah that's yeah that's what it it's is weird anyway. that they go that route but then again how would they involve the unless he just needed him to bankroll the whole adventure yeah that's that's probably why yeah they had to make it political in his realm in order for mm-hmm. it to work i guess but and then they went and kidnapped Alyssa milano Alyssa milano in her and, first feature but they she, i think she just uh, wrapped up a season of who's the boss season of it yeah but she'd done another uh movie prior to this called old enough it was like a coming of age teenage girl movie that it was like the previous it was the same year as who's the boss not familiar not with that it, one. sorry it was like one of those that played on hbo back in the day and it's kind of i don't even know if it's on dvd it just kind of disappeared so were the opening credits uh designed to look like the opening credits to like who's the boss or any other given sitcom commando yeah I mean, there's okay. Check it out. Like, there's all these various clips of them doing funny activities. She Mm -hmm. puts ice cream in his face. Oh god! I thought you were actually. I thought you meant the typeface. Okay. No, no, no. Like, uh, just just the clips in general over the the opening credits. Everything is just like, oh, you caught a salmon. I'm gonna wiggle it in your face. It fell out of my hands. And it is, yeah. And it even does like the zoom, the weird zoom on the womp womp face. You know, I wish I could show you my face, but I have to pretend like this is an audio format. And even then I was wondering, how is he even hiding out in this little town where he clearly sticks out from everybody around him? (laughs) He couldn't have been that hard to find. I mean, if you just asked around a little bit. Was he necessarily hiding? Oh, the giant? In the giant that lives? Yeah, I think he was supposed to be The giant in the castle in the hill? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) With the amazing window? Yeah. With the breathtaking dining area. Where do you think that, did they mention in, in the director's cut where the mother is in this? Because they just kind no. of pass right over that. Uh, no, I and I lied. I didn't actually watch the director's cut. Uh, I didn't even know there was one until Joe it's mentioned just it like, It's like a two minute difference. And there's a line change that Alyssa Milano has early on when, I can't remember what she says in the R-rated version. But it's like, you know, I can't wait to, for him to, to see you kick to see him kick your ass is what she says in the director's cut and the r-rated version is like i guess kick your butt or something not that that's a big deal but i guess because it was a kid <laughs> here comes a hiney walloping <laughs> but the meat of it comes in that tool shed sequence and you have all this gore in that and that sequence Man, in yeah, cut. Yeah. it went from a team to missing in action without skipping a beat there it was like Everybody's getting shot off camera and falling down. And, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. your arms getting cut off and I'm here's 10% of your head taken off with a saw blade. Yeah. Like it and was, you saw the director's cut. No, I watched the, the, yeah. R, the regular R cut. 
there's more gore in that scene. Oh, really? I mean, it's it's like, yeah. Like, he cuts the arm off, and it lingers on that quite a bit. No, there wasn't a is big it, linger there. Is it like, point the arm at the camera and... <laughs> it was him! Yeah, the, uh, he did the Donald <laughs> Sutherland from uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. There's a... There's a revenge uh, subplot there that starts there where the arm is... Never mind. Yeah, I don't no, know where you're going with that either. No. <laughs> it's, it was, it, I didn't know how I was going to shoehorn it into the fugitive, but I was gonna. Okay, okay. So let's talk about that mall. Say what? I, Sorry, Joe. Oh, no, it's fine. I was, I was just Go going to a note myself about... Like, I was going to talk about the plane ride. With uh, Triangle Head getting his neck cut or neck oh. broke. Oh, and then yeah. taking Isn't a that nap. great. Yeah, that was great because he was like, he goes, the lady goes, any carry on luggage? And Schwarzenegger says, just him. <laughs> and the guy says, he says something like, oh, shut the fuck up or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to box your fucking head or something. I don't know. And he was just like, okay, big guy. And he gets the blanket and snaps his neck and then tucks him in for night night. And, Old Triangle Head didn't see it coming. He is—he from Tim and Eric? He looks like he was from Tim and Eric. He looks like the guy from Tim and Eric. No, I don't think so. No, okay. Are you referring to David Patrick Kelly as Sully? No, 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 no. no, no. The 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 guy that's escorting him on the yeah, plane. Yeah, his head ride. is that's vaguely on the plane triangular. Ride. Like he literally—he had to have been friends with somebody because they were like, "Hey, do you want a gig where you say a couple of lines of Schwarzenegger and then fall asleep?" Sure. Why not? We just got to mm. put a little bit of blood on your nose at the end of the movie. No big deal. Okay. <laughs> but D- David Patrick Kelly, like he's saying, the ultimate oh. heel in 80s movies, man. Oh, and God, also yeah. The Crow. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where I know him from. And I, I yeah. at the time, whenever he first came on screen, um, well, I You did see the director's cut. Huh? Oh, wait. No, I, I, okay, never mind. Not that kind of come. Okay. Hey, um, <laughs> He, uh, like, I, I wasn't looking at the screen. But I heard his voice and I was just like, T-Bird, you know, because that's where I know him from is, is the crow. Fired so up. Yeah. I was waiting for him to be like, there ain't no coming back. Whenever he's dangling him over the cliff. There ain't no mm, coming yeah. back, Matrix. And Dreamscape. Yeah. Don't forget that one. Dreamscape. Yeah. And how many times do you see Under the Dragon? Dreamscape of femininity. Never mind. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Warriors. And 48 hours, 48 hours, which is the closest link to this film because it's Joel Silver producing, Stephen mm-hmm. E. D'Souza writing. So, money in the well, bank. A lot of these guys, like, it was almost like a a production team for a long time because these guys worked on, like, 48 hours, another 48 hours, Running Man. D'Souza wrote Die Hard and Die Hard 2. Some episodes of Knight Rider, I think. I almost watched Running, Running Man right after this because Prime told me to. Yeah. I love Running Jason, Man. I think that is an ultimate Schwarzenegger vehicle. In contrast to this, I, like I don't. That's a movie I've seen countless times, and I can go back to it anytime. Mm-hmm. Is the Running Man? This one I could see maybe watching it another time or two. Like it just, it didn't do it for me like other movies have of his. Not raw deal. So, um, Nathan. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that movie, Jason. Okay. Ever again. Okay. Okay. I, I don't need you bad mouthing those kind of deals that are raw. Um, 
Nathan, cut this out, Jason. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Like you had said that this was tongue in cheek and that it was like, it was meant to be comedic, but I think that it, it didn't come across as that to me. So without the knowledge Mm -hmm. of them doing it, it didn't, I don't think that it landed well because it, you know, for it to be successful like that, you don't need to be told, like, you know, don't tell me that a mm. joke is funny, just make the joke funny. And I didn't get that. Like, I didn't know. I just thought it was kind of, it felt very just basic because of that. To be, and after to you be tell fair, me that, to... I can go back and look at it and go, oh, yeah, that was funny because now that I know they weren't taking it completely seriously, mm. you know, completely serious or anything. I don't know. Yeah. To be fair to that point, a lot of the, some of the jokes don't land as well now an audience now as they might have then. Like I think Schwarzenegger's first line in the movie is why don't they just call him girl George? It's less confusing. Like, okay. All right. Yeah. But that, <laughs> that's lazy. the sign of the times though. I mean, that, that would that still was, make me people laugh would say that shit. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. that, you know, that kind of like, you know, I'm still going to laugh at Porky's. They do yeah. some pretty horrible stuff Cherry in there forever. for now, you know, yeah. though I will cringe in revenge of the nerds still. Like I, like if I watched it like five or six years ago and them setting up everything, I was just kind of like, eh, this is, this is getting kind of weird. Like, I don't know if I can go but along with this. That's only because you've seen it played out in so many movies since then that it's kind of ruined it. I think and that, well, that might not be the that same it's... thing with commando. No, not that it's you know. uh, it's it's bad or that it doesn't work anymore, but just that it's uh, I find it like it's it's creepy. It's very it's very ugh, gross where like I can, you know, I the shower scene in Porky's is still hilarious to me. Hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you can't defend. I mean, it was always creepy the what they were doing. It didn't. It was hot back in the day. Like whenever well, I was yeah, a kid, I was but, like, oh, yeah, boner jam time. But you knew but you knew it was wrong. You knew what they were doing was wrong, but it was Although, so under the guise of vengeance. It, you know, it's palatable. That was, I think that we should talk about this movie another time. We should talk about Commando. <laughs> I just don't want to derail it into that kind of stuff. So I'm sorry. No, that's perfectly fine. In a way, it leads into the next point I was going to get to, which is this whole relationship between Bennett and Matrix. Part of the audience took that a very different way than was intended, I think by the writers. Now, is it wrong that they're assuming that Bennett has this massive crush on John Matrix? Maybe he does. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's written that way. No, no, I I don't think it was written that way either. I mean, but it was such, didn't they have to address it finally? And like, I think it was the 2007 25th anniversary release or something like that, that they put in a whole, a whole extra feature. Could it have anything to do with him looking like Freddie Mercury? Well, that, that's that's why I think people make that assumption is that they look at how we the wardrobe it's and just the mustache, and it just goes part and parcel with that. Maybe, yeah. You know. Well, that and there's that bizarre range of emotions that cross over Bennett's face at the toward the end of the movie. Oh, it's, when he gets almost orgasmic in the scene. He's when he, yeah, Matrix yeah. Whenever he finally gets that, is basically saying, "Stick it in me, you know you want to," and he's like, "Okay, yeah. ah, huh." Bennett, stop screwing around and let the girl go. It's me that you want. I have only one arm. You can beat me. Come on, Bennett. Go away, that chicken shit gun. 
just want to pull a trigger, to put a knife in me, and look me in the eye, and see what's going on in there when you turn it. That's what you want to do, right? I kill you, John. Come on, let the girl go. It's between you and me. Don't deprive yourself of some pleasure. Come on, Bennett. Let's party. I can beat you. I don't need the girl. I don't need the girl! I don't need the gun, John. I can beat you. I don't need no gun! I gotta kill you now! And then, and then he actually <laughs> penetrates him with a pipe. And then, yeah, you, yeah. and then it it comes back, and you see the ejac of steam. Yeah. And he's like, "Finally, you have penetrated me." A little further than I was going to go with it, but yeah, okay, mm -hmm. I can see that. <laughs> John, how's your own, John? <laughs> Come over here and find out. <laughs> no thanks. Spot on. Spot. I think he just has this on impressions. But I think that it, he has like this, obviously this admiration for him and the fact that he know like that whole scene he has with Dan Hedaya, where he tells him the two of us could single handedly take out your entire platoon, basically. Mm -hmm. And he knows he and he goes, aren't you fearful of him? And he goes, of course I am, because he knows. So there's there's like this appreciation. He hates him. I think a lot of it is he wants to be him, maybe. That could be. And he knows that he. I think deep down he knows he doesn't have a shot going up against him, but but what about he's 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 crazy enough to try. He got the mm -hmm. ultimate breakup by getting kicked off the team. It obviously yeah. it it obviously wounded him deeply, but we you don't need know to exactly take your chainmail and go away. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, like getting getting canned from a job, I couldn't like it doesn't make sense to me to go and just go through that much trouble and preparation certainly not any jobs I've in the had. name of vengeance no. for i got fired <laughs> always a nice healthy severance and, and you're sometimes good. it's a nice relief <laughs> you know to get away yeah well i don't know this one uh because the, the script was apparently drastically different initially before steven d'souza did a pass on it and it was written by the teen wolf writing team really joseph loeb and matthew wiseman yeah it was before, but it was before, I think this may have been their first script together. They also did Burglar. I know Jason loves the movie Burglar. They wrote it, and in the guys that the main character, obviously he wouldn't have been named John Matrix at the time, but he was supposed to be an ex-Israeli army soldier who has turned his back on the life of violence and war and all that. But then the whole plot of his daughter getting kidnapped brings him back into it. So, but I don't know the whole tone of it. Mm. I don't know if that was, sounds like a straightforward storyline, not comedic what in if, any way or, or What if in that original, go ahead. The, in the no, original, sorry, I sorry. had to finish. You kept going. I'm sorry. I was, I, I thought more. there was a stopping point and you were like, no, wait, burglar, burglar, Um, what if in that original draft, uh, Bennett was actually his ex-wife and Jenny's mom? And that's why there's those undertones, but they, and she went out and got like a sex change, but that was the, that was 1985. We couldn't, we couldn't broach that. Nobody was championing that. It would have been weird back then. Today it could fly. Well, that's what I'm saying. Then. I don't even know if the Bennett character would have been in the original draft. And then, that's all we know about it. We don't know that the Dan Hedaya, the political scheme, any of that was. There's gotta there. be a copy out there somewhere. Um, 
Mm, yeah. That'd be interesting. But they it was basically 20th Century Fox owned the script, and it was sitting on the shelf, and they wanted to do a film with Schwarzenegger, but they wanted to tailor-make something for him. But instead of making something new, they would kind of customize mm-hmm. an existing property, and that's where they brought D'Souza in because Joel Silver was producing, and he said, well, why don't we punch this up and make it a vehicle for him? And I think that's also why... It's as comedic as it is, and what Joe was saying, it seems kind of unrealistic at times because it's it's he was larger than life, and I think that was their approach to it. Let's make a larger than life scenario. Like none of this shit's plausible. We know that. No, but we're just gonna make a fun romp of a film for him, basically. It didn't feel like much of a fun romp until the last bit, too, to me. Really, <laughs> I think it's like beat for beat. It's a lot of fun. Like it's a crowd pleaser. If you put this on in the theater. Yeah. But it was that implausibility also. It hits that all the marks. Became a trend in a lot of other action movies and led us directly to Last Action Hero, where they had to recognize, yes. yeah, that's holy shit, this is ridiculous. I was yeah. even thinking mm-hmm. watching this movie that outside of this genre, the character of John Matrix wouldn't last 30 minutes. You put John Matrix in, say, a horror movie, like a Friday the 13th. He's one of those characters that gets offed in the first half hour of that movie. Because he just walks in, thinks he's going to shoot the shoot everything up. And he's killed. You know what I'm saying? Nightmare on Elm Street, goner. Actually, tactics. I feel like he had more tactics than your traditional like. Oh, okay, I'm just he also shoot used everything. bombs. My like, mistake. Yeah, like okay. <laughs> For instance, at the very beginning, whenever the no no at the very beginning, he tells the guy the the one of the uh, bodyguards or military guys, he's like, stand down with, and he was like, why? And he was like, I could smell them coming. You Wait, know, was he, that a you clip? Know, he, he's <laughs> I you know smell he smell them coming. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh. Oh, no, that was the porno I watched. Not to be confused with Son of a Woman. <laughs> no, like, but but he did he did use other tactics. It wasn't just kick open the door and shoot launcher, everything. Yeah. He, he, you know, he was doing a barrel roll. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, come on, Jason, work with me here. No, and he seemed like, he seemed like he had a, a slightly more tactical approach than just the traditional action guy that just walked yeah, in that's and what he did in the whole up. movie even though that's what he ended up doing he seemed like he i know but it seemed like before he would do it mm-hmm. he yeah. had a thought process about it he knew like i could see like i could tell that his character wasn't just a trained shoot him up guy he was a he thought about it he had a, a slight plan that went into effect as oh he yeah was going into the i'm gonna blow everything yeah. up phase. he sets the time when he knows when when he asks the uh, flight attendant when is this plane supposed to land and she tells him he right when he lands on the water he sets his watch to that time frame and, it, and it's like yeah it, it, then it Thank becomes you, like a real ride i think at that point because you know that he's up against the clock and he and then really, also if it was just any of those other movies jason he wouldn't have set his watch to with the timer there. That would have been attached to some bomb he just threw at somebody. Okay. So, boom, goes your theory of him. He still does not the last twenty minutes against things with his calculator watch. I'm saying that. No way. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people don't last thirty sure. minutes with Freddy Krueger. Your head Dream yeah. killer, man. You're in. <laughs> you're in his world, bitch. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, Voorhees is virtually unstoppable. You know, Myers is kind of the same thing, just a lumbering force. I mean, Candyman, I guess he's going to stand in the dark with a mirror and another 13-year-old girl and say his name. Yeah. I don't know. 
Let's see John Matrix go up against Tony Todd. Hmm. What we need to do is see what it's like for John Matrix to get hmm. pregnant. That's it is a, a movie. movie. But I don't know that we... And cast, and cast Danny DeVito, too. Because them acting against each other? Holy shit! It's a great idea, Joe, but I think it's been done. Has it? Was it called Sabotage? Oh, don't, don't say that one. Uh, <laughs> I miss... I'm, I, I wish David Ayers would do some, some really good stuff again. wishes that as well. God, that movie is a mess. Which moves? I tried to forget that one. Sabotage? I don't think I've actually yeah. seen that one. You're good. Oh, You're I am? Good. good. Perfect. And I love Schwarzenegger, so I will watch, you know, but I was like, oh, no. Hmm. That's what I was excited about. I love Schwarzenegger. I love Ayers. I was, yeah, I was totally excited for that movie. And then it just, it just played out just fucking dumb the whole way through. It just was like, no. And it kept going. Like, when you thought it was ending, it kept going. And you're like, no, yeah. just... I just remember Schwarzenegger in a hoodie in this like club atmosphere at the end. And I was like, Oh, this just needs to end. It's just bad. I don't know. Yeah. I saw it in the theater and then went home and I think I watched street Kings. And was First like, street Kings is amazing. You. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I watched the second one with Ray Liotta, not physically with Ray Liotta. That would have been awesome. But yeah. Do you think Schwarzenegger gets enough credit for doing these sorts of, <laughs> hybrid comedy action movies like commando or in true lies in particular i'm thinking of here oh he's, yeah he's known more as the For action sure. guy i mean you got yeah true lies well, last action think, hero uh, this movie kind of set him up for doing you know the ivan reitman films twins mm. i mean he was already kind of playing comedically with his his persona in films in the running man certainly he has a lot of fun in that and red heat and I'm sure just talking to him on a personal level as a person, like, you know, you see, like, he's got oh. this element. Oh, yeah, he does not take would himself transfer seriously. into this. So, like you every know, interview, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. So I, there, I, I think there's no doubt that even if he wasn't doing that with the roles, then somebody like Ivan Reitman would have seen it, like, met with him and been like, shit, dude, you want to get pregnant? For a movie. So... <laughs> Have you, you seen the movie Rabbit in? Test? We're looking at redoing that. That was a commercial oh hit. And uh... <laughs> how many people do you think remember that there was a movie called Rabbit Test? Besides, no, that's one, just two, the thing is nobody does. Here. Joan Rivers directed that. Billy thing. Crystal. Yep. Did she? I don't. I, I've never heard of it. So that's two out of three. What? Watch Should it. Watch, watch it? it for the cast. It's Joan Rivers. Yeah. I love Joan Rivers. It's got a great eclectic cast. Oh, somebody yes. break their arm, the, and that's that oh. happens early on. And it's you with the uh -huh. remote while you're trying to watch rabbit. That poor test, rabbit. Actually, so. so I was going to say earlier about the the location, the Galleria Mall, is like mm -hmm. this famous landmark in films. Probably most notably in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's the location. Yeah. And yeah, Sherman Oaks oh, really? Galleria. I don't think it's around anymore. No, uh, they no, used I it. Think it got Jim Minorsky used it in Chopping Mall. Let's see. Valley Girl has some shots from there. Phantom of the Mall. Eric's Revenge. Wasn't the the villain's lair at the end, wasn't that uh, like Buster Keaton's estate at one time or something? I think it's been used wow, in I don't know that. quite a few movies too. Wow. The the giant mansion. It might have been. I know I've seen it. I think it was in Beverly Hills Cop and the, at least uh, one other second one I can one? think of. Maybe? Maybe. Was it the second one yeah, with the mansion yeah. shootout? Yeah, yeah it was, was, wasn't it? That was the same. Because that was yeah. Hollywood We almost had Club. a connection there because D'Souza wrote Beverly Hills Cop 3, but anyway, he didn't do two. Beverly Hills Cop 3 was the one where they thought they weren't going to get Eddie Murphy, so they were going to go with Nipsey Russell just in case, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a massive rewrite on the script because every line rhymed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You it's guys are The weird thing is wow. John Saxon was signed to it the whole time. 
<laughs> he was, he was on board no matter what. Rest He's in like, peace. Oh, you did get Eddie Murphy? All right, I'll still do it. <laughs> yeah, it was that mall was used in also in inner space, Vernon Wells movie. And Vernon Wells is actually in the mall in that sequence when uh, Martin Short gets in. Holy shit, yeah, Vernon Wells is awesome. in there. And when, you know, he gets injected, Martin Short's character in the mall. And uh, what other movie? It's not, ironically, it's not in scenes from a mall. They didn't use that mall. They should have. <laughs> it was an amalgam of like a few different malls, I think. But, um, oh, Walk Like a Man. What was the mall in, in Jackie Brown? Oh, I don't know. That that mall is so killer. Yeah, it is. That was like a brilliant location. Like every time I watch that, I get very nostalgic for that and mall. And you know what I, I always think of when mall. I think of that movie is I think of that food court sequence between Pam Grew and Robert Forster just hanging out. and. Mm. Uh, do you want to mention or talk about Radon Chong in this movie Absolutely. as Cindy? I found her annoying at first. What? Because she was, she she was screaming and making bad jokes. Well, she was like me, I guess, and I didn't that like was it. Pretty much every woman in this kind of movie for years, though. It is, but do we did we need him to babysit somebody else? She didn't really do anything until the end. Though. Yeah, she flew the plane. No, at the but end. she knows yes. about how. You know, the place to wherever she's getting her pilot license, and then she knows that's where the refueling happens, and, and she reads the instructions on the rocket launcher. That in for her? She, yeah, she does yeah, rescue she him with did. the rocket launcher. Don't forget that. Yeah. No, it's like she becomes, she flips the switch very early on and becomes like this. He couldn't have kidnapped a better cohort, I guess, you know? Well, you try to yeah. understand her situation, and she's trying to get help from mall cops, which was a bad idea in the beginning. <laughs> Sees a guy get torn out of a phone booth you, i mean i would be a little discombobulated also at least for a few minutes that seems to be a theme in in a lot of his movies too with like running man mm -hmm. and total recall where he's like taking these women and making them into a badass by the end of the movie so good for you schwarzenegger you can cheat alonzo and running man yeah yeah uh -huh. that's a very good yep. parallel yeah that's what i said running man and total yeah. recall wasn't it Total Recall? Total Recalls. No, it was. I'm thinking. Total Recalls. No, uh, yeah, that's. Rachel Tocotin. That was she's also. Stone, she's already a badass, Rachel, yeah. though, in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, th I think I was mixing up because I was thinking of Running Man, like two different things, because there's the part whenever they are trying to run through the air. You might have been thinking of Emma Thompson and, Jr., though. Oh, you. <laughs> um, let me see here. Okay, this is one thing that I really loved. Uh, at the end, whenever. Uh, crap, I forgot Dan uh, Arias, Arias, Dan Hedaya's character, uh, and uh, Matrix are having their gunfight. It was another thing where I think it was an ASMR type situation, but I noticed this in a lot of the the action movies of that era, where there's gunfire, gunfire, and then step, 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 gunfire, gunfire. You hear the click clack of the foot, mm -hmm. the feet running, and it's I don't know, it just a uh, it. It's satisfying to me. It's weirdly satisfying on an audio level to just hear because there's nothing else. It's complete silence. Interesting. Except for bang, 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 you know? Yeah, I know. You're like sitting there going, okay, he's got a coconut. Nope. That was my mouth. <laughs> he's doing Graham Chapman or no, Terry Gilliam. Yeah, I'm sorry. Not Graham Chapman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, that, yep. But that is, I, I noticed that in quite a few action movies of that era where there's there's no score there's no other weird you know just some kind of track like birds chirping i don't know whatever would be in that mm -hmm. environment 
isn't there. It's just blank except for. Bang, 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 bang. I hadn't noticed that. I'll have to go back and watch it again and check that out because it is that does. I don't know why I wouldn't have noticed that before. It is a little unusual. Yeah, normally, especially in this time period, you you would expect every scene to have that weird synth soundtrack that was just everywhere. Well, think, yeah, that that mass or just excess. There's and there's, there's, this, there's moments in that mass shootout sequence where you kind of go, Jesus Christ, it's just gunplay. I mean, it's just like he's saying, mm -hmm. it's just nonstop. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I, I, I would, took a note on was how it was pretty amazing that the pretty much the third act was almost no dialogue and all gunfire. And I thought that was pretty cool, like just from a not just like a writing standpoint, mm. like figuring out all the action plot pieces to that. Uh, but just from the, the filmmaking standpoint, it's just wild to me that you could have this whole thing just because I like to write dialogue. So thinking in terms of action exhausts me. Yeah. <laughs> so seeing it played out like that is super cool. And I, th I just thought it was awesome. And then the explosions of all the buildings were amazing. They did look great. Except they did for look... the standing soldiers that they just propped yeah. up. And they don't even You could budge. tell they were just the cardboard guys that kind of... Well, they're just like wedged like or held up by something. And at first you're like, oh, is it just like a shooting range target maybe? No, they're actually yeah. soldiers. Well, they were doing this on a budget of about 10 million bucks, which was about a quarter of what they had to do Rambo 2. Yeah, I think the budget I, on, yeah, the budget on this was ten million. It ended up making fifty-seven. Rambo had forty-four million to start out and made one hundred and fifty. Wow! So really, in terms of ratio between budget and box office, Commando was slightly more successful. But yeah, there there are some moments where you can see the the seams, <laughs> like you were talking about with the cardboard cutouts that are supposed to be people. But other than that, I thought they did a pretty good job yeah. making everything work with what they had. Yeah, they definitely did. They wrecked some very nice cars. That's true. Yeah. I don't say I don't think I was really troubled by it, but I thought it was kind of weird that I didn't really find it too concerning considering the era of the movie. But I thought it was just it was weird from my now adult mind, I guess, that she witnessed her father murder this guy with the pipe, the pipe yeah. in such a gruesome way. Mm. And then just like looks at him and smiles and is like, yay, daddy. <laughs> you know, it just it seemed very weird to me. Like, it seems like I think if my son saw me do that, he'd be like, oh, fuck. so you're assuming Can that I this is the first time she's seen tonight? that happen, though. He That's could, he could be like the Arkansas pipe murderer for all we know in his past, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the yeah. guy. The guy's a piece of shit that she hates. That's the whole true, movie but she probably point, so wanting she to, see to see somebody dead problem. and then actually seeing them dead. They're two very different things. And mm. the ramifications of her seeing that fantasy in her head come to life. I'm overthinking it because I'm an adult now. Yeah. As a kid, I would have been like, fuck, yeah. Well, you could you but, could say the same thing about the daughter character in True Lies. I mean, if they always said if they were going to make a sequel to that movie, it would have to be about the daughter. Oh, yeah. Because and her therapy. Yeah. <laughs> her many many years of therapy sadly that sequel never yeah. got made, after after that tape of her mom comes out dancing on a chair mm, yeah that's nothing to be ashamed about though i mean i was just talking about the ramifications of watching your father yeah kill somebody with a pipe yeah he was talking about the trauma well just in general in some kind of brutal way no matter how much you see somebody wanting like in your head you want somebody to die actually either doing it or seeing it actually take place 
are two different mm. crazy things. And it just seemed weird to me in my adult mind. Like I said, as a kid, if I watched this as a kid, I'd be like, I would be cheering with her and being like, yeah, she's smiling. She's happy. She's safe. Her dad saved the day. But as an adult, you're like, he just like weirdly, brutally murdered this guy. Like, I mean, they were fighting and it was going to end one way, of course. But I mean, he put a friggin' like 10 foot pipe through his chest. Let off some steam. And yeah, let, let off some steam. I was trying to remember what it was. At the very least, at the very least, dad has a lot of explaining to do to, do to his daughter about the way he's been living his life for the last 20 years or so. But I think it would be more traumatic if it were a corncob pipe. That's, that's fair. Do you think that... I mean, it was a clean kill, you gotta admit. Schwarzenegger movies are where dad jokes originated? Ooh, interesting. Maybe. Maybe. Because we all grew up on this, this era, <laughs> so it's just like, you know, we're gonna say something like that. Why don't you take a steam? Yeah, why yeah. don't you take a steam bath? Why don't you <laughs> take a steamer on the chest? Steam your vegetables before you eat them. <laughs> Not as punchy. Not as punchy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not as punchy. Yeah. So was that D'Souza writing all those little bits, or was that Arnold just doing them? Uh, I think it, I think it was D'Souza because, and if you watch that DVD or the Blu-ray or that documentary where they talk about it, he had to like act out the script for Schwarzenegger. Really. Silver set up a meeting with him and he's like trying to pitch it to him. And the, the line that sold Schwarzenegger was the, you're a funny guy solely. That whole line, D'Souza did it, not even realizing, according to him, that he did it in a Schwarzenegger impressionistic <laughs> You're a funny guy tone. And like, Schwarzenegger, yeah, he kind of like paused for a moment and he thought, oh shit, maybe I pissed him off. And then Schwarzenegger's like, no, you know what? I think this is this is worthwhile. We need to do this. So hmm. maybe the I'm sure he punched up the script throughout just for as it was working well. They probably went back and dolled up some. I mean, all you had to do is put in like a few tweaks here and there just to make it more fun. Yeah, D'Souza. I mean, this is the beginning of well, 48 Hours kind of was, but for him it was the beginning of what? How many movies he did with Joel yeah. Silver? A lot. Die Hard One and Two. Also, the Franco Nero character in Strange Die Days. Hard 2. Oh, wait. Thank you. That's Sorry. Angela Bassett, you're talking about. I love um, that movie. Yeah, the Franco Nero character, it's a great movie. Franco Nero character actually also came from this fictitious place, Valverde. Mm. So that's like this little through line that he can, kind of puts in a lot of his scripts. Kind of like a red apple cigarettes or um, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah kind of. Well, let's talk about the director. Marco Lester. Truck Stop Women. And now all Roller the great... Boogie. Truck Stop Women, yeah. Oh, just all the cult classics he's done. I mean, Class of 1984 and Firestarter, I think, was one of his. Firestarter, yeah. He did it probably mm -hmm. right before this. Uh, also, Bobby Joe and the Outlaw. And uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. He also did another movie with Alyssa Milano in the 90s, Public Enemies. Oh. Not to be confused with the Michael Mann movie, Public public enemies this was about with Teresa oh. Russell Eric Roberts and it oh, was uh about Eric, Ma Barker and Killer okay. Brood again you know it was like a remake of a big bad mama effectively kind of yeah although that's not really well more like bloody mama is the Shelley Winters Ma Barker screaming for a remake yeah but um talking about the running man he did a movie called Night of the Running Man with Andrew McCarthy and Scott Glenn that's really great it went straight mm -hmm. to HBO and then then hit video 
That's what stuff's doing now. Mm. Yeah. Truckers women. What was, or truck stop women. What was the one he did before that? Steel arena. I don't think I've even heard of it. That's what I'm thinking. Very early, early. Yeah. Space truckers. Space truckers. Dennis Hopper movie. Is it really? Yeah. Oh. Rest in peace. Oh, uh, Armed and Dangerous. Forget about that. Oh, haven't we all? <laughs> what? That's a classic. Okay. Come on. To- Eugene Levy and Assless Chaps, are you kidding me? A film connoisseur such as yourself, Nathan, everything is a classic. <laughs> well, not everything. Roller okay. Boogie. Huh? Yes. Stunts. That's a great one. Pretty much yeah. everybody involved in this had some serious movie and action pedigree, really. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, James Warner did an amazing score on this, and he came from the Corman camp. I mean, Battle Beyond the Stars, Lady in Red, Humanoids from the Deep. Lady Battle Beyond the Stars Red. has a much better score than that movie really deserved. I mean, it's not saying it's a bad movie. Oh, yeah. I mean. Holy crap. It's, a, it's an I amazing score. Movie, but Corman used that score like 50 yeah, times true. since then. I mean, the sh- yeah. And that, that score actually got him Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Because there's one cue that's very similar to Jerry Goldsmith's Klingon battle in the motion picture. It has tones of that. It's very mm-hmm. bombastic. And yeah. And of course, he did Star Trek Three, and he did Crawl. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. You should look at his filmography. I mean, that dude did like three or four scores per year. It was nuts up until he did. And of course, he did Aliens right after this for SLM, 20th Century Fox. Yeah. But did anyone own any of the action figures? From Commando? What? Yeah. I wasn't aware of them. I wasn't aware of them either. Let me tell you. Let me show I you. Got, <laughs> I still have the 16-inch John Matrix action figure. There was a 16-inch? Yeah. They also made a 7-inch one and 4-inch figures. And that, that was done the, the year after, in 86. And that was them competing with Rambo uh... and Force of Freedom. That action figure line, which led into the cartoon, I think they wanted it to be like Force of Freedom went up against General Warhawk and his savage team. It's so weird. It's it's a bad team. Fear. (laughs) The toys that were made from R-rated movies is so bizarre. Yeah, it's a different era, that's for sure. Yeah, but they weren't marketed toward adults. Like I was going through collectors. I had some RoboCop trading cards, and there's one that I have that specifically shows that that scene whenever Murphy gets his hand blown off by a shotgun. Oh, wow. And it's the gore is all there, like the, the sinew and the, the veins and mm-hmm. the muscle and all they that They did stuff. it for the... And it was all I there know. on the card. Is that not a later... Like, I don't think they did... Did they do a RoboCop trading card series? I know they did part two. Yeah, they did RoboCop one, two, and three. I didn't think they did one initially, unless they went back to it later on. Maybe I'll, I'll dig it up and uh, send you a picture of it. Look at the date on it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was I was shocked because I don't think that was one of the, the scenes that had to be cut, but it was definitely one that had to be trimmed. So it it's weird to have a still image of that on a trading card set for kids well, <laughs> of, no. of this rated X violent movie. RoboCop was... <laughs> Yeah, that scene. Robocop was... was certainly not marketed to kids. Rambo was not. Commando, I don't think, was mm-hmm. marketed to kids. So well, that, neither that was Freddy Krueger. It was inevitable. This, like, right? Yeah. Like Rambo had coloring books. That's biz- I had that is so I weird. Growing up, yeah, yeah. That was just the. You talk about the Reagan era. That was mm. the era. I mean, that was the. The eighties was already excessive as it was, but just, just adding all that. GI Joe was a big force of that, though. Yeah. 
Everybody was trying to be G.I. Yeah, Joe. G.I. Joe. Pro, pro military. Yeah, but the GI, in the G.I. Joe cartoons, no one was allowed to actually be killed. Yeah. Anytime an airplane Until got the, shot, well, yeah, they in the, parachuted out to safety and to fight another right. day. And the Rambo cartoon, no one dies in that either. Same with the A-Team. Like, yeah. Just the absolutely shameless marketing. Shameless. Oh, dude, I had like the Rambo Uzi, I had the survival knife with the compass <laughs> and the... And the and the little charm thing that he wears around his neck and yeah, they teach you how to build they a did log that with, Rambo with all the spikes well. on it so you can kill people in the forest. <laughs> you didn't have? Did you have a, a tiny little chainmail bib like the like in Commando? That you, <laughs> no? no, they did. They actually did. They they did a vest, a Commando vest. Also, is there a, is that is there a, a, a Bennett action figure? No, there wasn't. So they, they all the action figures were fictitious, aside from John Major. I wonder if they would have like used. Uh, they would have defined his muscles at all because he just had the fucking, fucking noodle arms there. Here's a wad of dough with hair on it. This is now. This is Bennett. Yeah, that's, that's the action <laughs> figure. It's, it's just or the, on, a, on some raw dough. Put some googly eyes on it. He'll be fine. <laughs> Hey, is this the same mold we use for Pizza the Hut? Yes. Yes, yes. It's Mr. Bill, actually. <laughs> and Socko. Oh no, Mr. Bennett! And on that note, I think it's time to draw this episode to a close. Thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Later. Rock boys, run in the streets! Come on in The show is over. So once again we must say goodbye. Thank you for listening. The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour is a production of Ghostcraft and is recorded live in Dallas, Texas. Please email your questions and comments to autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. Kisses. This has been a Ghostcraft presentation.